0: This is the LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast. Litigation news stories from recent issues of LexisNexis Mealy's Publications. Current and targeted legal news and litigation reports.
1: LexisNexis Podcasts voted top legal-oriented podcast in the 2008 ABA Journal Blog 100, the annual reader survey of the best websites for lawyers, as chosen by the editors of the ABA Journal. In a unanimous
0: August 3rd decision, the California Supreme Court held that an unreasonable belief in the need for self-defense did not convert a subsequent act of assault and battery into an accident, and therefore an insurance company did not act in bad faith by declining to defend or indemnify him under a homeowner's policy. Even though plaintiff Jonathan Delgado committed a provocative act that mistakenly led insured Craig Reed To believe that he needed to defend himself and his family, resulting in injuries to Delgado, the court held that Reed's actions were still purposeful and intentional. The court said neither Delgado's actions, which provoked the assault, nor his claim that the assault was unexpected from his perspective, converted Reed's assault into an accident under the policy. As such, the state high court ruled that the incident was precluded from coverage under the intentional act's exclusion. Of a policy issued by the Interinsurance Exchange of the Automobile Club of Southern California. The Supreme Court reversed a ruling by the Second District Court of Appeal that had in turn reversed Los Angeles County Superior Court's ruling. The state Supreme Court has declined review of an asbestos case challenging the admission of a decedent's deposition testimony in a California action originally filed in Texas. The defendant had alleged. The plaintiffs filed in Texas to take advantage of its differing summary judgment and deposition standards, a practice the trial judge referred to as a game.
2: Helen and John Washington sued a number of companies in Texas, alleging their conduct caused John Washington's asbestos exposure and subsequent mesothelioma. They claim he was exposed to asbestos-containing gaskets during the time he was employed in boiler rooms at a Harbor City, California high school. After John Washington's deposition was taken, The Washingtons dismissed the Texas action and filed in Los Angeles County Superior Court. Defendant CraneCo moved for summary judgment and to exclude Washington's deposition testimony. In April, a Superior Court judge reluctantly denied CraneCo's motion. However, Judge Aurelio Munez said, quote, This court does not have the authority to summarily prohibit the use of otherwise admissible testimony, even if the court does not approve of the games, and they are games, that are being played, end quote. Judge Munez criticized the taking of deposition in Texas and then refiling in California as an intentional move. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mealy's Asbestos Litigation Report editor, Brian Redding.
0: A federal judge has found an ERISA-governed disability insurer that terminated benefits to a claimant with carpal tunnel syndrome and other ailments abused its discretion. The judge found there was no new evidence that supported the insurer's decision to deny benefits after 10 years. Janice Taylor worked as a phlebotomist for Klein, Beecham Corporation and was insured under the company's self-funded group disability plan. Taylor began receiving long-term disability benefits in July 1996 due to carpal-metacarpal instability of her left hand. In 1998, plan administrator Unum Provident asked for updated medical records and conducted an employability analysis, finding that Taylor was capable of working in 11 other occupations. Unum Provident terminated Taylor's benefits in 2002, but reinstated them after Taylor appealed based on added restrictions from her doctors. In 2004, Hartford took over as plan administrator and terminated Taylor's benefits. Taylor sued the plan in the Central District of California, which found Taylor's condition had worsened over time and that her problems were not limited to hand mobility. The court noted it looked as if the plan terminated benefits based more on Taylor's failure to submit recent medical evaluations as to her limitations, but it never clearly notified her of its underlying reason for the benefit denial. The court considered such a failure to communicate to be another significant procedural irregularity. At a mid-July press conference, Attorney General Edmund Brown Jr. announced the filing of a lawsuit in state court against mortgage loan modification company Statewide Financial Group, Incorporated, and its subsidiaries and certain of its employees for alleged violations of California business laws. Brown alleges the company engaged in a scheme to, quote, swindle distressed homeowners by enticing them to engage the defendants to negotiate loan modifications from the homeowners' respective lenders. Brown says, quote, defendants falsely represented both their success rate in negotiating loan modifications for customers and the type of loan modification they could secure for homeowners, including lower fixed interest rates, principal reductions, lower monthly payments, and forgiveness of arrears. Defendants market their services to homeowners who are in financial distress and in danger of losing their homes to foreclosure, unquote. Meanwhile, Brown alleges RMR Group Loss Mitigation, claiming to be a foreclosure rescue firm, charges those at risk of losing their homes upfront fees in the thousands of dollars while failing to provide any meaningful assistance. A former National Collegiate Athletic Association Division I men's basketball player filed a class action complaint July 21st against the NCAA on behalf of former Division I men's basketball and football players, alleging the NCAA violated federal antitrust laws by illegally conspiring to limit the athletes' compensation for the use of their images after
1: they finish competing in college athletics. Edward O'Bannon brought the action in the Northern District of California against the NCAA and Collegiate Licensing Company, alleging the NCAA's conduct is blatantly anti-competitive and exclusionary because it totally wipes out the future ownership interests of former student-athletes in their own images. He says the NCAA requires student-athletes to sign forms each year, requiring them to relinquish all rights to the commercial use of their images in perpetuity. O'Bannon claims, quote, The NCAA's forms, in fact, do not in any way grant licenses in perpetuity, or even ones extending beyond the conclusion of any student-athlete's collegiate athletics career. The NCAA and its members, however, have agreed to act as if their forms do grant perpetual licenses with no limits, and further agreed to license and use the wrongfully obtained rights. O'Bannon also says the NCAA has organized and operated an illegal horizontal cartel consisting of its member schools and conferences. He says it has collectively and illegally conspired to limit and depress the compensation of former student-athletes for continued use of their images to zero. For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mike Butler.
0: A class of Pacific Gas and Electric Company workers received final approval from a San Francisco County Superior Court judge on July 30th of a $17.25 million agreement to settle claims that the utility unlawfully denied them overtime compensation. Judge John K. Stewart approved an agreement that will provide a class of close to 700 workers back pay and will entitle them to overtime pay should they earn it going forward. The lawsuit was filed in March 2000, alleging PGE workers were improperly classified as exempt from overtime, or unlawfully denied overtime compensation, and were paid a salary rather than on an hourly basis. The Ninth Circuit U.S. Court of Appeals July 30th denied an India-based technology company's motion to compel arbitration in India of a class action lawsuit accusing the company of numerous labor law violations. The panel affirmed the Northern District of California order denying Tata America International Corporation's motion to compel arbitration and dismiss a nationwide class action against the company. The action accused the company of forcing its employees to sign over federal and state tax refund checks. It's alleged to require foreign workers to sign power of attorney agreements that delegate an outside agency to calculate and submit each employee's tax return to the applicable federal and state authorities. The circuit court panel ruled the district court did not err in finding that the employment service agreements signed by the named plaintiffs did not constitute valid agreements to arbitrate their claims. An advertiser on Facebook.com sued the popular social networking site in the Northern District of California on July 27, alleging that it violates the unfair competition law by charging for thousands of advertising clicks that never occurred. Unified ECM Incorporated alleges that despite Facebook's representation that advertisers will never be billed more than their maximum cost per click, click fraud of up to 100% has occurred encompassing thousands of phantom clicks. In other representations, Facebook clearly indicates that advertisers will be billed only based on the number of clicks their advertisement receives or the number of impressions viewed. Unified ECM says click fraud is the term used in the online advertising industry to describe when a person, automated script or computer program imitates a legitimate user of a web browser by clicking on an ad for the purpose of increasing the pay-per-click fees paid by rivals, boosting the placement of their own advertisements or otherwise directly profiting from the activity. Unified ECM alleges that rival businesses use click fraud programs that can click advertisements hundreds or thousands of times an hour, thereby consuming the advertiser's budget and increasing the visibility of the fraudster's own advertising. Unified ECM alleges Facebook acknowledged it had a problem with click fraud and created a solution but despite representations that it would do so, has failed to appropriately reimburse advertisers. Michael Jackson's former wife, Deborah Rowe, has filed suit against an alleged friend who revealed emails to a celebrity news show that Rowe denies writing, but Rowe nonetheless claims
1: their release has invaded her privacy. In her Los Angeles County Superior Court complaint, Rowe alleges that several weeks after Jackson's June 25th death, Rebecca White told a television show Extra that she was a close friend of Roe's and that she had received an email in early July from Roe indicating that Roe was not going to seek custody of the two children born while she was married to Jackson. White then said she received another email from Roe a few days later stating that she still didn't want custody of the children but that her lawyer was encouraging her to take some responsibility for their well-being. Roe also alleges that White accused her of seeking custody of the children because of money. Roe claims she never sent the alleged emails to White, and that White fabricated the information to gain financial benefits and harm Roe. Roe says, quote, "...any publication that had cared to make a reasonable effort to investigate the truth of Mrs. White's background and history of making unfounded statements before purchasing her purported inside information would have easily discovered the foregoing pattern of fabrication. Roe brings claims of defamation, invasion of privacy, and intentional infliction of emotional distress, and seeks an unspecified amount in damages." For LexisNexis Legal News, I'm Mike Butler.
0: For more details on these and other California cases, visit wwwlexisnexiscom forward slash melees or totallitigator.com. LexisNexis Legal News California is written by the editors of Mealy Publications, current and targeted legal news and litigation reports. The LexisNexis California Legal News Podcast, copyright 2009 by LexisNexis, a division of Reed Elsevier Incorporated. LexisNexis, Total Practice Solutions. I'm Steve Bursler. Thanks for listening.